Schofield and Company, live on the road. All right, here we go. Henderson is the location. Dollar Loan Center basketball game coming up. UNLV at 7 o'clock. We're on a Rebels. Going to be battling Hawaii. Sounds like a conference matchup, but as uh, all of you know, Hawaii in the Mountain West and football outside the Mountain West in basketball. A pretty solid program, really good defensive team, a couple of good bigs on the Hawaii team. So another challenge in the uh, Rebels' quest to remain unbeaten. I think the unbeaten count nationally now is just 10 teams remaining, and we'll get into the last game and look ahead to this game a little later in the show. Star-studded cast of stars. That's why it's star-studded. On the way, Justin Watkins, our ESPN Las Vegas legal insider, is actually down here at the arena. He'll join us on a bunch of legal topics and money topics. And if you don't know, Justin served in the assembly in the state of Nevada, so he's got a background as a pol- not a politician, a public servant. So I want to get into some money issues and sports issues when it comes to local and state government. Today we were introduced to the new UNLV football coach, and we'll have Caleb Herring on later on, a former Rebel. He's going to be co-hosting between 4 and 6 o'clock. But Barry Odom is the guy, former coach at Missouri, spent four years leading that SEC program, was relieved of his duties, Jumped to another SEC program where he led a really good defense at Arkansas as the defensive coordinator, and now Eric Harper has tabbed him to run the ship, steer the ship here at UNLV, and frankly, from everything I heard today, take it to the next level. Marcus Arroyo went from zero to two to five wins, seemed to be on the verge of turning the corner, but the last two years, the program was one in ten in one-score games, so they're close. He's not walking into some sort of disaster. We'll tell you what some of the players said today because a bunch of them showed up to the press conference. But I wanted everyone to hear the uh, presser at the opener. You know, you're always trying to win the press conference, and I thought Odom was solid. Maybe not spectacular, but uh, he gave a lot more than I thought he would, and he went on for about eight minutes, talked about why he took the job, how excited he is for the job, and what the mission at hand is and how he's going to get it done from this morning's press conference. Here is new UNLV football coach Barry Odom. Wow, it's uh, so tremendous to be here, and and uh, for the first time publicly, I can say, "Go Rebels!" Yeah. I'm so excited, uh, so excited to be here. I, I look a, a, around the room and overwhelmed with uh, excitement, with with joy, with with extreme enthusiasm uh, to be in Las Vegas and to be part of this community to be part of this wonderful institution. I want to give thanks to, to President Whitfield on uh, his part in the search. And we had a long uh, conversation, and I knew immediately, because I've had even longer conversation with Athletics Director Eric Harper and his administrative team, and I knew once I had a chance to visit in deep uh, with, with Harp that the alignment and the vision was there. And not only what I saw from before I entered into the process on what this university is and can be and will be, along with the community and the city of Las Vegas, it's an elite opportunity. And I want to thank them for how the process went. Uh, Very, very professional. You should be proud of these two uh, men and their teams on the way that the process happened or the way that it went and the values that they stand for in running what a, a wonderful place and, and a university. 
my family in the crowd, uh, Tia, JT, Garrett, and Anna, uh, they have been by my side and very supportive. And uh, they're thrilled uh, to be here today. They, they, they got in yesterday with me and then they've spent the night and will be here all day today and then uh, go back to, to Fayetteville for, for some time. But they've felt overwhelmed with the welcome uh, of, of this city and university. And when you look around and you think of things and how they're done and how they play out, it's been done the right way, very professional and at an elite level. And I thank everyone that's been involved for that because it's made a very seamless transition uh, for us up to this point. I'm very thankful for that. I also look around and I, I didn't know what I was walking into today, uh, but the support and the things and the way that they're done and the plan shows that the vision is of championship level. And the vision of what we're going to get accomplished is at a championship level every which way that you turn. There's a plan, there's an organization, and when you have alignment in those areas, you will achieve great success and it will be done in very short order. The game of football is special, okay? I've got a chance to be an educator and a teacher for, for my players and my student athletes. The game also brings us together in ways that you never know will happen. It really doesn't matter where you're from or how you get there, but God places us in the position that we're supposed to be at the right time. And I shared a locker room with a guy and I look in and I walk in and there's a former player and student athlete and teammate of mine, Pat Duffy, had no clue he was gonna be here. And then I look in the back in the room, Bob Lattenville's in the back of the room, he's been a lifelong friend for 25 years. We were all brought together by the game of football and the connectiveness that we have and the way that we will uh, run our program is built on relationships, it's built on trust, it's built on honesty, self-accountability, love, and mentorship. I look at the community involvement that we get a chance to have with this great city, and that is at the forefront for me. I've got to make the Rebel team, it's got to make it our team. I've got to make it the city's team, and I look forward to having a chance. I met how many community members last night at the, the College Football Foundation uh, event and what a wonderful event that was. But you can see and you can feel the excitement for UNLV. You can see and feel the excitement for the city and you can see and feel the excitement because of the leadership team that we have. The beautiful campus will be uh, an electric area to recruit student athletes to. And then recruiting the city and the involvement, our family can't wait to be involved in the city and make sure that that is at the, at the forefront of our thoughts. Everywhere that we've had a chance to be, we've been very fortunate to be around good people. And I would say this up to this point, that the experiences that we had and have had up to this point sets the standard on the way that those relationships go and the way it should be done. We're so thrilled uh, to be here and be part of this organization. I've had a chance this morning, I met with our football team, with our guys, and I'm seeing a couple of them now here in the second row and the third row, that means a lot to me that you're here. I know you've got a million things going on and I've already met with a couple of you guys this morning, but I was able to address the team yesterday afternoon at 2.30 and number one, they were all on time and early. Okay, they were very attentive. I think they're a hungry football team that's looking for leadership and guidance and it seems to me at this point, we've got a connective vision on how this is gonna get started on building the foundational approach for us to go win championships. You look at the city and it's built on opportunity. And this is what the foundation on how we're gonna build our football team and our football program on the opportunity to go achieve success. 
socially, academically, spiritually, and athletically. It's my job to create a staff and an environment that provides our student athletes with success in every one of those areas. We've got a foundational blueprint plan to make sure that we achieve those things, and I'm gonna be by their side every step of the way. It's my job as a teacher and a mentor to take their skill set in every area, develop them, grow them, and then help them achieve success for the next 50 years of their life. That's the reason that I'm in college coaching. I've got a passion and an energy for developing a team and bringing the best out of every one of them and making sure that we get a staff around them that's built on the same values and the same concepts of helping our young men achieve great success. I think you look at life and it's a life full of experiences and opportunities. And I think that my path has taken a lot of different routes and a lot of different roles. I've had the opportunities to win championships. I've had the opportunities to build programs from the ground up. And I look forward to applying all of those experiences and opportunities here with Rebel Nation. The scarlet and gray, it means a lot to me in very short order. I look around and it's electric in the way that the, the city backs the university. You drive on campus and you can feel it. I can't wait to recruit to this uh, city. I can't wait to recruit to this educational institution. And I can't wait to recruit premium student athletes that want to be at UNLV and win championships together. You're going to hear me talk about a lot about family and about culture and about habits and about details and about outworking people and about toughness and about discipline and about all the things that our brand is going to be and what our DNA becomes. I've got a chance to meet, as I said, with our student athletes. That's going to ongo today. I think the most important part for me at this point is community involvement, is recruiting the city and making sure that they know UNLV football is where you're supposed to go when you're a great student athlete in the city of Las Vegas. I'm going to make sure that we make our point very loud and clear with those facts. I'm excited. My family is excited. I'm thankful, honored, humbled to be in this position to be your next head football coach. I will pour my soul into making sure that we do the things the right way. We do them at an elite level, and I give our football team the chance to be successful in every single area. And I want to thank you so much for being here. Go Rebels. There he is from the press conference this morning, Barry Odom, brand new head coach of UNLV football. We'll react throughout this show to what Coach Odom said. I thought he made some really good points. Pretty solid intro press conference. He actually sat down with myself and Caleb Herring and John Von Tobel for about 20 minutes later in a special show this morning on ESPN Las Vegas. We'll have that convo for you in the 5 o'clock hour. We're live at the DLC in Henderson. UNLV basketball is coming up against Hawaii. When we turn the corner here, return, we'll talk to Justin Watkins, our legal insider, also uh, good on local issues. We'll get his reaction to the Odom hire. Uh, Odom's salary is a little bump up from where Marcus Arroyo was, and I really wanted to talk about money in the state and investing in collegiate athletics and where we are right now. That's on the way. Coming up next, ESPN Las Vegas legal analyst Justin Watkins joins Cofield and Company in studio to break down the biggest legal stories in the world of sports. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to lay down the law. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Man about town. 
You can reach him from anywhere in Nevada. He really means it because he's everywhere in Nevada. 766-1400. Justin Watkins here at the DLC in Henderson. Thank you for coming by. Uh, you walked in, and the first thing you said with a Rebel game on the way, you're like, ooh, this is cool. Yeah. No, I'm excited. I, I You know what? I wasn't planning on coming tonight, and uh, now I plan on being here. There you go. It's it's It looks that good. I mean, you're gonna. there's not a bad seat in the house. I have to say, this is the first time I really feel part of the ESPN family. I'm like in the press box up here. Ah, that's right, yeah. I, 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 like, I almost got credentialed. I mean, I got a wrist bracelet, <laughs> but it felt very official. Uh, we pretty much can get anyone credentials. So, <laughs> okay. So, no, no, I didn't mean it that way. So anything you want to go to, you know, anything you want to attend in person, yeah, you could you could have uh, you could have come out to uh, Thomas and Mac probably dozens and dozens of times when we have these Wednesday games. Um, so yeah, it's really configured nicely. Uh, Justin finds out more and more about me and my uh, weirdness and uh, weaknesses. I'm colorblind, so I was describing the court here, and I was like, "Yeah, it's like the Sonics." And you're like, "What do you? It's not even close to the Sonics colors. It's gold and silver, <laughs> gold, close silver, enough. gray." <laughs> I, all I see is, uh, yeah, the gold looks like kind of greenish to me, and I see brown, and uh, I don't know, looks like a. It's like a 70s design, but I can't see clearly, so well, don't cool. Well, don't take Steve's word for it. Yeah. It looks awesome, and the, 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 there's, there's not a bad seat in the house, and you could fit a lot of people in here. What's the capacity, 6,000 or 6, something? About 6,000, yep, yeah. and there's only a lower bowl, and then you've got all the luxury suites yep. up top, so you're going to get a good view pretty much from anywhere in the arena, and fans can make it, Rebel fans can make it a really loud environment uh, by showing up. I think season tickets were, the season ticket packs did include this and the MGM game coming up on Saturday against Washington State, but Hawaii's in town, so it should be an intriguing matchup. we got a you, lot to get into. Go you know what this reminds me of, though? Um, it's recent memory for you. This is like an a improved, way better version of the Slim Jim, Jenny, Craig, Jenny yeah. Craig Pavilion that you were at last week. It's a, it's, a, it's a lot bigger, and it's that is a nice arena. It's nice. Um, I mean, this is a legit arena. Yeah. That just It's basically an arena that looks like it, you know, if you could do it, you're not going to do it, but would have a second level. It's yep. a it's a pretty big arena, and I know you love it for hockey. Yep, it's a good hockey arena. I was here for the Nevada Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame induction ceremony uh, late last year, and uh, that was a cool setup. So they did a really good job, and you know Henderson has an arena now right here on Green Valley Parkway and Paseo. So cool venue. Yeah, I, th- I would love to see them get some. Uh uh, they can get some good wrestling tournaments in here, I think. You know, they do some of that stuff over at Cox Pavilion. They do the state championship over there uh, on odd years um, when Southern Nevada hosts it, and it's a great venue there. But this this would be cool, and, and on uh, the right kind of tournaments, it would really fill up. So it's interesting in the setup for this game, and I would completely forgotten about it, getting ready for the game. This place actually hosts the Big West basketball tournament. Yeah. So Hawaii's got more experience playing in the building than UNLV. They've been <laughs> yeah. here before, so. Well, I think you know you should take advantage. You should come out here a couple times uh, a year, more than just the once. I think that's the plan. Yeah, because the rodeo ain't going anywhere. Thank nope. God, we need it. It's yep. a gigantic event, and I mean they really take over the campus. They really take over the facilities there uh, at the Thomas and Mac. So the Rebels are always looking for cool places to play, and uh, you know, close by. Um, they could elect. Well, I can't remember what year it was. I'll, I'll have to ask Curtis Terry on the broadcast tonight. I think Curtis. Talked about some like fourteen day crazy road trip against a bunch of power fives that they took back in the day, and it wasn't the most productive thing. So I think Kevin Kruger will probably put together a schedule where he has a you know a mix of a, a road game or two, and then bounce from whether it's Mandalay, which is a really good basketball venue they played there last year. You could use the Orleans. They're going to use the MGM, but this this is absolutely a place that they can get. And okay, I'll make the segue. 
the folks here are pretty easy to work with, right? Yep. They've got control of the building. Yep. We had a little situation developing. It's worked itself out. I don't think in the best way, but it's better than not having the game. We went through all this stuff, and we told everyone at the time, listen, there's there's some points that have been missed in terms of control of the Owl, of Allegiant, and the Raiders have full control. And we had a showdown developing for a while between the Las Vegas Bowl and the Raiders and that switch over from you know one day to the, to the next, Saturday to Sunday. Now, it, it worked out. I think the NFL kind of screwed Vegas on both fronts because we lose Sunday night football and we lose a primetime spot in the bowl game. The SEC was nice enough because the, the, the word was the SEC was not going to move the 430 uh, start time. Like, hey, we got to be in prime time. That's the agreement on this new Las Vegas bowl thing, SEC every other year against the Pac-12. But the SEC was flexible. We could have had an SEC ESPN showdown against the NFL and the Raiders, but it worked out. But now your Oregon State Ducks are, are, are – Beavers. Why did I say Ducks? I don't know. Beavers. That was a bad one. Um, Oregon State Beavers are now playing in an 11:30 kickoff. So I know – you know, you're a giant fan. You bought tickets right away. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think part of the reason that Florida was willing to accommodate this is because what I'd heard rumblings about was they don't they don't love coming out west during this time period. You know, they could get started on some recruiting fronts back east, and they would be playing the furthest west of anybody else, earliest in the cal- calendar when everybody else is getting started. And so, I think part of the their their feeling is, hey, we can get back east now in time. We can fly back that day if they chose to. I don't know if they're going to do that or not. Um, but from a from a fan perspective, from a local Oregon State fan perspective, it sort of works out for me. I got a couple of college roommates flying down for the game. We got tickets. We're going to go to the game. We're going to go eat dinner. We're going to go to VGK that night, right across the street. Oh, and wow. so, that, I'm I'm happy as as a personal fan. Uh, but I think it obviously is going to affect the interest level in the game nationally that it's on that early um, and competing with was it, there's three NFL games that day. There's three other or two other bowl games that day and we're just spitting right in the middle of it all. And so I just think it's going to it's going to turn down national interest. And looking at ratings numbers, the Pac-12 still has some issues. With that Friday night time slot for the Pac-12 title game, while the SEC got about 11 million, Big Ten championship got about 10 and a half, Big 12 got nine and a half. They all play on Saturday. That Friday night game with USC and Utah only got about six million. So that which was great. a crazy improvement, which sucks because uh-huh. all, all that happens with that game is that we propped up the numbers for everybody else's because USC lost the interest in those games on Saturday the next day just all elevated you know and so we you know we should all be playing those games I think simultaneously but you know the Pac-12 under new leadership now I, I'm, I'm hopeful that we get some better TV deals we got we'll, we'll know soon I think we're gonna know soon and the fact that Colorado was willing to spend the kind of money they just spent on Deion Sanders leads me to believe that they think that the TV deal is going to be quite lucrative that's going to come come down the pipe soon. Justin Watkins, ESPN Las Vegas Legal Insider out here at the DLC in Henderson. We'll hit a couple of legal stories, but Justin's very good on sports and also the uh, money issues in, in college sports. So, yeah, give me your reaction. Uh, you're a Pac-12 guy from Oregon State, the Beavers, sorry. Um, what's your reaction to Dion going to Colorado? Uh, it's a gamble I'd absolutely have taken if I was Colorado. I think it's uh, – a worthy hire that puts them on the national stage right away from attention standpoint um 
you know, I, I think his resume is as good as anybody who's probably um, going to be as impactful at that job. Um, now, the fact that they signed him at that kind of deal for his first Power Five for $6 million a year is surprising. Um, but you know what? At, they are so bad. And there's no reason to think that they are anywhere close to changing that culture except for hiring a superstar coach who can take advantage of the transfer portal right away. And so um, I would have done it and if I were them. Same shoes. I'm blown away that Colorado with all their history. I know. You know. I was at the National Football Foundation last night, and he passed on. But Rashawn Salam went in uh, to the College Football Hall of Fame this year. They have such a legacy of you know good football and a co-national championship. And I'm not ripping your school. Yep. But Oregon State is a better program. And frankly, you know, I don't know about across-the-board athletics. I don't know about all the Olympic sports. But how is Oregon State better than freaking Colorado? Well, to be fair, we haven't been, right? We missed on a lot of coaches. We missed on, on quite a few coaches in between. We got, we had, we've had three good coaches in the last 40 years of Oregon State football. We had Mike Riley, Dennis Erickson, and now Jonathan Smith. And there was a whole hell of a lot of misses in between that. We still haven't been to a Rose Bowl since 1967, or I'm sorry, 1962. So, um, yes, Colorado, their history is shorter. You know, I mean, their heyday is the 80s and 90s, not in the 60s, 70s, and 2000s. You know, so it was a small little window. But there is no reason, based on what kind of recruiting uh, grounds they have to use that they shouldn't be at the top of the Pac-12 every year. Certainly and competitive they, and, in a bowl team. And they, yeah, and they haven't been. They just have not been competitive. Dion walks into a room, and uh, this really bothered me because I think he's you know, at times more interested in his image and doing his stupid videos on social media and kind of used the kids as a prop. He stands up in front of the room and basically told them, hey, you know what, uh, players are coming, so you guys all may uh, want to consider going into the portal. If I'm a parent, do I have any legal repercussion? Uh, like, do I do I have anything? You're like, what? What does this mean? The guy hasn't even met my kid yet. He's got a scholarship, and he's telling the kid to leave. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and, and it wasn't. You may want to consider the portal. I don't know if there's anything wrong with that. But he said you know, the way he said it, which was, I got some players coming in, so hit that portal. Do what you got to do. You know, um, he's he's basically saying. I mean, I think that you could make the legal argument that Colorado did not intend on. on honoring the scholarship agreement that they had with that statement. Wow. Now, maybe, you know, the AD comes in and does cleanup right after that and says, hey, nobody's required to go to the portal. Everybody's scholarship safe, yada, yada, yada. But but the reality of it is, is you know, message is sent. Um, now, if you're going to go to the portal, the likelihood is, is that you're going to get another scholarship somewhere. And so what's your – really, what's your loss – if you go into the transfer portal, get a full ride, go somewhere else and get to play, you're actually – there's an argument that you're in a better position than you would have been if you had stayed at Colorado. So your damages are minimal. So, yes, I think it's not the right thing to say. And and that's just, I think, example number one of what's going to be a whole bunch of examples that happen at Colorado. But at this point, you were such a bad uh, such a bad team that you got to do something. Uh, but they're going to they're gonna be doing dealing with this for his entire tenure. Hey, they're trying, yep. right? And I'm sure there's some local politicians, state politicians who are behind this to a certain extent. On the way back, I want to address, again, Nevada and athletics in the state on the collegiate level with both uh, the PAC and the Rebels. We got an intro to a new UNLV coach this morning, and Justin and I have been talking about this for months and months and months about the state and some representatives, some 
politicians stepping up and getting getting behind this thing. There's so many openings to potentially make both UNLV and Nevada more relevant with some bucks. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to present the facts. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, Justin, let's present the facts. So facts are, we were just talking about big money behind Deion Sanders for like $6 million. UNLV did a good job of getting a little extra scratch. I mean, you know, for most of it's a lot of extra scratch. But uh, uh, hiring Barry Odom for uh, $1.75 million a year. Um, it's going to put him right at the top of the Mountain West in terms of football salary. So I see people out there, you know, spend money, you know, amateur. Like, they got more money, and he's due two two five at the end of a five-year deal. So they're in the right territory for a group of five. But could they be bigger? You know, could you, could you fund a program like Gonzaga in basketball? Maybe, but you also got to get some help from some people in the state. And we – you and I see all these NIL stories and funding of different programs. I just sent over uh, to you a little earlier. I saw a story about Miami football. Hurricanes have like a $100 million football facility on the way. Why don't we see more people uh, at important levels backing with state money or so- something? NIL, creativity to get both of these programs, Nevada and UNLV, to a better level. I mean, I can't make the the private enterprise spend money on college athletes to market their their products or to be boosters of a program, and it and it's difficult here. I'll I'll admit as a yeah, we we got you know two two and a quarter million people in the valley, but a lot of them are transplants from other places. They you you know a lot of people went to college in other places, and when they make their money, they want to donate it back to their alma maters. I I, I get all that, but one thing we can do from from a state level is we can use our laws to benefit and assist our institutions, UNLV and UNR, to be in better position to get these athletes who are now looking at NIL as a part of the piece of the puzzle to making the decision for their recruitment, right? So why don't we have a college athlete bill of rights? State law. That says all the things that they get, no matter what, included as part of any NIL ticket, so that they don't get bargained into a bad deal. They get taken care of, and that we ensure that the NIL rules here are the best. I'm, I'll even say the loosest, right? Whatever. Okay, the most player friendly. Like we're hyper aggressive on yeah. everything else. Yeah, the most player friendly NIL rules in the country. Yeah. We should have NIL rules for. High school sports here, we should have NIL rules for all of our college that that is just whatever the player is able to bargain for themselves, they are able to have. I don't care if it's tobacco, I don't care if it's strip clubs, I don't care if it's, you know, whatever, alcohol, whatever, I don't care. You know, if, if they're marketable, they should be able to, to use their name, image, and likeness to their benefit, and we should allow it. So we got to close on a thorny story here, and uh, Justin Walk is nice enough to come over to uh, the DLC as the running Rebels are playing here tonight against Hawaii in a 7 o'clock tip. Boy, oh, boy. This New Mexico and New Mexico State thing involving a New Mexico State basketball player going back to their football game where there was a brawl. Then the New Mexico State player shows up in Albuquerque for one of their two basketball games. There's a shootout 
And the basketball player, I think in self-defense, that's what they're claiming, winds up killing an Albuquerque student who they claim the Albuquerque student shot first at the New Mexico State player. Now we've got coach cover-up potentially involved. What's happening here? I'm not going to say that I know anything that's happening here. I'm just going to say what's being reported and where that's being reported from. But it, I think we are going to learn a lot as the days unfold and weeks unfold. But the allegation here is, like you said, this all stems from an earlier incident in which players from or you know fans from Albuquerque were assaulted um, at, at an away game in state rival, and then they conspired they came up with this plan of how to get this basketball player back and they used a young lady to lure him to a party they get him to go to this location and then they confront him three gentlemen and this young lady and they pull a gun and whoops he's got a gun too and so the criminal complaint alleges that the person who died the fan or the yeah the fan shot first and the basketball player shot, they don't say in self-defense, but if he shot second, he's in self-defense. I mean, when you're getting shot at, you have the right to shoot back uh, and hit the fan four times, killing him. Um, and then what, what the allegation says in the criminal complaint is that he and the other people, uh, he and one of or two of the other players called on their cell phones, a car came up, they threw the gun in the back of the car, the car takes off, and then they start calling the coaches. Um, the sequencing is, I think, less than sure, you know. Um, the, the, there's sort of an implication. Did, did, the, did the coaches have anything to do with this car showing up that took the gun? I don't know. It's, I, don't, I don't know that. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, the way that the police got the gun – 13 hours later is when the assistant coach for the basketball team delivered them the gun wrapped in a towel. Uh, and he said that the head coach had told him where it was and that the head coach said that the player called him and told him where the gun was, and so they went and got it. It's There's enough there to say that I don't think we know all the facts yet and that it's going to be interesting to see how this all unfolds. It very well could be. It very well could be that these coaches did absolutely nothing wrong, that the kid called him and said, listen, I just shot somebody. I killed him. I got scared. I threw the gun in this, you know, Camaro that came driving up. What do I do? And they walked him through the proper course of action of we'll get in touch with the authorities. We will help you know, call the person who has the car. Let's find the gun, blah, blah, blah. And they did everything right. It's very possible. It's also possible that maybe they were like, okay, you know, let's get rid of this thing. And then when they heard the story of self-defense, they're like, oh, crap, maybe you're not in trouble. Let's mm -hmm. go get the gun and let's go turn that thing in. I don't know. It's a really interesting story. Sad story, obviously. Terrible. Um, you know, at the same time, it's a person who was trying to kill somebody got killed. And what happens there is all of those people who conspired to lure this player in, to lure Peek in, well – a death resulted as an intended assault. The 17-year-old has been charged. Yes, and everybody who was a part of that is yeah. going to be charged with the death of their friend because they were Awful. conspiring to conduct an illegal act, a felony, and in that felony somebody died, and that was foreseeable. It wasn't the person they intended to die, but somebody did die. And so I think you're going to see the charges ramp up. I mean, because she's already been released, and she's in a juvenile. She only went to a juvenile detention center. She's 17. 
um, been released and is on monitor. I don't think we're done with the charges here. This is going to get much more severe. Justin, appreciate you coming down. I know you're staying around for the game, so we'll see you in a little bit. All right. Thanks, there guys. Justin Watkins. We come back, get into a little VGK as uh, Darren Millard is on the way. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000 with your questions today. On the left, a drive, stop, rebound, a couple of stops. Thompson, belly down, trying to stack his pads. The puck is chipped out of the zone, near side. Wow. Now, back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Boy, oh boy, the shootouts of late with VGK have been uh, awesome. And Bruins game ended up with a win. Darren Millard's up with us, of course, from AT&T Sportsnet. And over on our VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Darren, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Getting ready for another original six game. That's three in a row. This is a big one. This is a big one. I want to get into the Rangers in a couple of minutes, but uh, I wanted to set the scene here and you know get your opinion. Uh, we're over at the DLC in Henderson for a, a Rebel basketball game. You're very familiar with this building. What do you think of the building? Uh, it's fantastic. It, it feels like a miniature T-Mobile because it is like a miniature T-Mobile yep. right yep. down to uh, some of the end zone setups and uh, the castle. Uh, the sight lines are fantastic. Uh, it might be the smallest 6,000-seat arena that you're going to be in from a fan perspective, from a viewing perspective. Now, it's a, it's a big building, and it's got great concourses, and, and you don't feel squished at all. But just the ability to, to have a great seat almost wherever you are uh, and feel like it's an intimate setting is one of my favorite things. And that's whether you're talking basketball or hockey or or the uh, IFL, the Indoor Football League. Uh, it's one of my, my favorite places to go. Can you tell I like it? Yes. Because I, I've, see, I've seen multiple events there, uh, <laughs> from, from hoops uh, to hockey and, and the IFL, and I, I can't get enough of it. I just My, my kids go. They're right into it. Uh, it's, it's awesome. So the reason UNLV basketball is playing here is because the rodeo takes over the uh, yeah. Thomas and Mac. Did you get into any of the uh, rodeo action the last couple of days? Uh, I was at Cowboy Christmas uh, for a bit yesterday. Uh, I love my Cowboy Christmas. My daughter rides. Uh, she was uh, equestrian at the start uh, and uh, English, and then uh, does Western, goes out riding in, in the Red Rock Canyon and all, all that. And uh, she, So she's a, a big horse lover, so we do it every year. And, uh, I, and I grew up on the rodeo uh, scene uh, with cousins uh, that, were, that were big uh, into the rodeo and, and rode uh, Bronc uh, back in the day in Manitoba. So uh, I, I love it. It's one of my favorite things, and to be around the Cowboys yesterday, uh, over at the convention center is a really cool experience. It's, it's like a different world. It's because we're so used to professional sports, me, meaning everything, the four major sports, and it doesn't matter one bit in that setting. You're just, you're just back to your roots. I'm with you, though. The, the, I'm very familiar with the stuff. I watch Yellowstone. I, I've never seen a Yellowstone okay. episode, right. but my daughter was looking for a hat yesterday, yeah. and uh, the, the salesperson, he thought he, he thought he had her. He's like, this is the hat that uh, Beth wears, uh, and uh, ah, one they've, they've ordered like four of these, five of these for Beth, and this thing. And 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 my daughter looks at me, zero looks at me, and she goes, "Who's Beth?" And I'm oh, like, okay. "Dude, dude, sorry, yeah, you're not getting one on us. Those things are expensive. Like I, I've been around Crazy. this sport for a long time, but had no idea yep. how much the actual hats were. The 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 top hand hats. We're talking talking a grand." I have a couple of cowboy hats that I bought at the swap meet in North Las Vegas for a total, I yeah. think, of eleven dollars. 
Well, you see, that's where I would go. And, and, and I think it's just fine. But these things, uh, the real beaver uh, oh, yeah. uh, hide and stuff, $1,000. And I found one that I really like, six fifty. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm good. But I, I, I've got a pair of boots, and I've got a couple of hats, not $1,000 ones, and I like to get into it. Let's talk about uh, the Bruins game first before the Rangers. Admiral Arts with yep. us. So another shootout. I watched the shootout. I didn't get to watch a, a ton of the game because I was working that night. I saw, you know, they jet out to a 3 nothing lead. Yeah. Uh, great start. Cotter had a great game. Uh, then he actually got stymied in the shootout. But uh, yeah. what, describe that shootout like the way you saw it because as I was watching it, I'm like, I couldn't tell if it was the, uh, the guys trying to score who were kind of blowing it or it was just like masterful work by the goalies. Well, it, the shootout can be iffy, and I'll give Darren Elliott, uh, my partner in the studio, uh, credit on this one. Everybody that tried to deke that night had trouble. Yeah. Whether it was um, getting jammed or the puck flying off their stick. And that's what happened with Cotter. He made a great move, and he actually had Swayman. Oh, uh, but the him. puck slipped off the, uh, the end of his stick. So that, uh, it, it was a tough night for anybody that was, that was making the, uh, the big fancy moves. Uh, and I don't know whether it was ice or whether it was the pucks or, or what it was that night because ice can be an issue. They do a dry scrape, but uh, uh, with the uh, with the shovelers, but it, it can in some places uh, cause uh, difficulties for those those guys that uh, that pulling off the move. So uh, the goaltenders give them credit; they were on their their game, and we're like we're seeing one of the great runs in the shootout defense. Cotter's awesome; the goals are great, but Logan Thompson one on one in the shootout, Steve, is almost unbeatable. Uh, and we're talking 25 save in 29 uh, attempts. He's, he's up, knocking on on uh, 66 percent uh, and making makes it like it. And, and it, it's not like he's he's getting good bounces or stuff like. He's just in total control, and it's it's borderline like. And this is a stretch because this guy had a Hall of Fame career, but it's like when you come down in Hassock, you know that Thompson's going to make the save. You're, you're that confident in, in what he's able to do uh, be, with his uh, on-ice abilities and then the desperation being able to react to it. Uh, it's, it's been impressive. That, that was a fun game. That was the most stressful regular season game <laughs> that I've watched in a long time. It, and I, I hate it when people talk about, oh, it felt like a playoff game. Nothing feels like playoffs. I'm sorry, nothing feels like the playoffs. But you can have stressful regular season games, and that was a stressful regular season game, an intense regular season game on both sides. So what is Bruce Cassidy after a situation like that one where he's going back home, they had fired him? You know, a lot of coaches will just play it cool and be like, hey, you know, just another game. What was Cassidy like, especially after winning it? Oh, he was ecstatic. Yeah. He wanted that He wanted that bad yeah. to the point where it was brought up afterwards. Like, oh, they had a streak. Like, he, he dropped that little line. Oh, the, the streak? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that was good. And then today he was talking about Paul Cotter in his morning availability. And uh, and brought up uh, said uh, Paul Cotter had two goals. Uh, thank you, Paul. Uh, so so acknowledge the streak again and the win against the Boston Bruins again. Uh, I refer to it as the most emotional regular season game that he's coached, and that's uh, that's taking into account first games uh, with the Washington Capitals and then the, the Boston Bruins and the Vegas Golden Knights, which are obviously big steps. But that that one the other night. Uh, as a as a guy whose intent that that Bruce Cassidy is and gets dialed in, he wanted that bad and was really appreciative of the uh, mentioned at the first TV timeout 
and the acknowledgement uh, by on the scoreboard and by the by the fans uh, that was that was touching. But from a pure win and want that victory, uh, that that's as much as as he'll want a regular season victory. That doesn't mean get in the playoffs or a, or a standings position. So the uh, Rangers, as I know them growing up in the uh, New yep. Jersey, New York area, are in town. But it also means that Gallant is back. How yeah. big is the Turk story now, you know, in this return? I mean, it's been a while. Yeah, I, I think it's more just uh, another team coming in. We, we know that guy. Uh, we, we're familiar with the guy. We, we like that guy. Uh, the players all the, that were around when, when Gerard was here uh, certainly uh, are familiar and appreciative of him. He's a great guy. Like he, He's one of my buddies back home in the summer. We, we live. 30 minutes away from each other, 25 minutes away from each other in the summer. And I see him a few times uh, on the golf course and uh, he, he's a friend. Uh, so it's great that he's in town and you get to catch up with him. But it's more from a hockey aspect, Steve, it's closer to being just another game right. and, and uh, an important win. Uh, he's not the most recent coach. Uh, you can't draw that direct line. Uh, and and Turk will say the same thing. And uh, on the uh, on, on his side, he's worried about his hockey club. He's got to get his team going in in the uh, in the right direction. And uh, more in particular, they got to get their goaltender back on form. Darren Millard is with us. Uh, last minute here, so yes. no Eichel, no nope. Petro in all likelihood. Um, nope. On the other nope. side, uh, Petrangelo will not play. He's uh, okay. He's uh, dealing with some, uh, personal uh, uh, leave, uh, uh, an illness in the family, so he's, he's not going to be back. i got about 45 seconds left. What makes this Rangers team dangerous? They, they actually have been better on the road than an MSG. Yeah, um, uh, that, uh, that is a team that can score, uh, and they can score in the power play. Uh, don't give them a sniff uh, there. Uh, they, they've got some building blocks. I would say their performance this year hasn't been that far off last year. But their goaltender hasn't been as good game to game, uh, Steve. And but by the way, the the Cassidy stuff that we talked about before, him wanting that game, I love that he wanted that game. I absolutely <laughs> love that he didn't just uh, push it off to the side and say it was just another game. And uh, I appreciate it, Darren. You're awesome. We'll be listening to uh, VGK. I asked, what do you got coming up on the show? Well, you didn't uh, get me in the Nevada Broadcaster of the Year finalist ballot. No, I tried. I, I don't have. I don't that. have control. Like, what is that? Like, these play-by-play guys think they run the place. You and I know that there's more than just play-by-play. Of course. Right? Yes. Yeah. We count. We matter. Yeah. Don't make me cry. I'm going to get emotional. (laughs) (laughs) I'll see you, buddy. (laughs) I'll see you. There he is, Darren Millard. Uh, May have gotten a vote for me for the uh, broadcaster of the year. Did not make the Final Five. But uh, you know what? Nor did I. I have no idea if I got any votes. Uh, Giveaway time right now. 364-1100. Tickets for Social Distortion playing three nights, the 15th to the 17th. This is at House of Blues. Ticketmaster.com is where you can get your tickets. Social Distortion, two tickets. Ari's got them right now. 364-1100.